In today's episode, we'll be talking about how cross-cultural workers can mentor one another. And we have a special guest today. Dr. Wendy has been involved in cross-cultural work for over 35 years. After living in the Middle East, where she and her husband worked with local church and raised their four children, now she is the International Personnel Director for their mission movement. She also has a master's in global leadership, followed by a doctorate in leadership, where part of her research looked at how appreciative mentoring can impact cross-cultural workers. However, her most important credential is that she is my friend. (laughs) How long have we been friends? Um, Let's see. Cross-cultural work, 35 years, uh, maybe take off five years, so 30-ish? 30-ish years, yes. We've lived in the same city. We've lived on separate continents. We've met up to see each other here, hither, thither, and yon. Yes. So, yeah, walked through a lot of life together. Oh, what a gift, huh, Vicki? Well, thanks for coming today. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm I'm really actually quite honored to be a part of you guys' Mission Smart set of resources. You and David are providing such a great service to so many around the globe. Thanks for having me. Well, okay. Well, let's get started. Uh, how did you first become interested in mentoring within the worker community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's where it all starts, isn't it? Yeah, I came in to the community overseas of overseas workers pretty much already convinced that it was important to have someone to talk to, hold me accountable to growth, um, pray with, walk out life with, because everything was all so new. Um, while I intentionally developed mentoring relationships during my years overseas, I noticed plenty of people who were missing out on that regular input and encouragement that um, having someone walk alongside you provides, like you did for me. And you did for me, actually. Yeah, and I think you and I actually commented on how we were sad (laughs) for others that didn't have the kind of friendship and encouragement that we had with each other. So, um, yeah, taking those years and when I got to a season in life where I could look at this area of mentoring a little bit more closely, And on behalf of others, not just myself, I began reading up on how to bring mentoring into our organization and, you know, consequently beyond. And in fact, I was looking back um, in preparation for our time together, Vicki, and I did my first written piece on mentoring in 2005. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? Wow. That is quite a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. I've been listening to you talk about mentoring then since uh, probably about 2005, I, I would guess. (laughs) Probably. Um, How would you define mentoring and especially the word appreciative mentoring? Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I'll go ahead and define the mentoring aspect because I actually worked with two uh, mentoring work groups to come up with the definition that I'm going to share with you. And it's kind of tailor-made for our organization based on what our personnel told us was important for them. But as I look at it, it's really applicable to anyone due to its holistic approach. So it's kind of twofold. Mentoring in its simplest form is two or more people committed to walk alongside each other towards holistic development and fruitful ministry. 
And then when you kind of break down that, you know, what is holistic development? What is fruitful ministry, right? What is walking alongside? And that's where we came up with how mentoring can work out. And it can be expressed through discipling and spiritual practices, um, giving prayerful spiritual direction, um, imparting wise experience, coaching into new performance areas. And all of this, and this is where the appreciative aspect comes in, all of this is done primarily through asking questions. And um, appreciative is drawn from uh, a change, um, an organizational change model called appreciative inquiry. And it's been around for 25, 30 years, came first out of uh, Case Western University States in the United States. And um, it's it's a way of looking at changing. So in mentoring, that's taking ourselves and changing at a time, but looking at change through asking those questions that seek to find what is working well, what is good, is right, and building on that and having that real great encouragement and umph and motivation and energy that comes from seeing, oh, wow, that's going well. That's going well. Oh, I didn't realize I hadn't thought about how that is a solid foundation upon which to build. It doesn't ignore the stuff that is not going well. It gives you a better perspective from which to approach those things that are are difficult or hard, um, especially as you look back in this last year or so of, of uh, COVID and lockdown and you know global issues going on. There's always hard things to discuss, um, personal and global. And being able to approach life from an appreciative standpoint really gives, um, I, I would say, a, a kind of a Jesus view <laughs> on things instead of, of a, a negative woe is me view. Um, sort of woe is me, I should do better, I should this, I should right. that, that kind of mm-hmm. condemnatory yeah. approach, which right. yeah, can be it, the way that just, people it, do approach this. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, you can't see this on, on the radio, but um, uh, as you ask those questions that get you looking at what is going right, your eyes are lifted towards, you know, the heavens, so to speak. Whereas when we're asking, so, you know, what are you having to deal with this week? What, what things, what issues have cropped up? You know, you're just kind of looking down at the ground and your shoulders slump over and you get despondent. This is our opportunity as mentors to do, you know, change it up, flip it around, get people looking on Jesus. You know, Philippians 4, what is that um, scripture that says, look, look on things that are, consider everything that is good and right and true and trustworthy. Yes. yes. Consider those things instead. So start there. Start, start there. there. The, the, and then, anything, and then the negative back. issues and the challenges <laughs> will come up. They just do. Absolutely. Yeah. And right now they should. We we have a lot to lament. We have a lot to process. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's it's a really healthy way to start with looking at what God is good, where he is good, where he is faithful. It's true. Okay. So what are some Classic different types of mentoring? <laughs> <laughs> um, types of mentoring. Yeah. Well, as you kind of got a real quick overview with that definition. 
There's discipleship. There's walking alongside cross-cultural workers as they navigate what it looks like to work out their faith in an all-new context. You know, we often think discipleship is for new believers. Well, it's also for new people on the field having to redo their entire walk with Jesus in a new context. Um, Amen. So discipleship. Amen. Yeah. Amen, sister. I wish someone had told me that. <laughs> I, I wish I had expected it. I, I didn't really expect <laughs> yes. that to hit as hard as Mm-mm. it did. No, especially after years of solid good habits and rhythms. You think, oh, fine, I'll be fine. But no, everything goes chink, topsy-turvy. It does. Um, it absolutely coaching. does. Okay. Yes. Coaching is another type of mentoring. We're hearing about life coaching more these days. So it's not as much, I, I don't have to explain it as much, but just asking those questions and then listening to the mentee as they seek to develop, you know, their new skills and they pull out from your questions, what, what they should be processing. Mm-hmm. Um, spiritual direction, listening together to the Lord. It's more quiet approach to hearing another person's story and walk with Jesus. It's very calming. I like it. You can tell my voice. <laughs> yes, you, you've calmed um, down. Just thinking about it calms you down. Yes. yes, you have your candle and you have your silence and you <laughs> pray together. It's, it's lovely. Um, peer peer um, mentoring is as uh, that's what you and I were, Vicki. Yes. We walked alongside each other in a similar situation and role and experience in life. And we provided mutual accountability, support, laughter, cry. <laughs> um, <laughs> it builds a sense of connectedness and understanding as a peer. I mean, and you have peers like we were, um, especially who were in two different kind of organizations. We weren't in the same place uh, as, that, as far as that is concerned. So that that's, gives another uh, perspective, which is really vital. Yeah. I felt like it was a, a really important for me to have s- people that were in different organizations doing some same things, but a lot of different things too. It just helped me in my life have, have a better, Absolutely. more well-rounded perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You um, mentioned in missions, well, David mentions in mission smart, um, one of my favorite books on mentoring, actually. So that was pretty cool. Um, Bobby Clinton talks about um, the mentoring constellation in mm-hmm. his book, Connectedness. And in relation, in relating to what we're saying about peer is there's two sides of peer. There's peer inside your same uh, company or organization and there's a peer that's outside of it. And that's what you're talking to about right now. Mm-hmm. So you, you have both that complement and should be a part of your ongoing lifelong mentoring constellation in an ideal world. <laughs> so there's lots um, of different kinds of mentoring that that we, we seek. It could be someone absolutely. who's further down the road than we are, maybe older, more experienced. It could be a peer. It could be um, someone that's especially a life coach, as you mentioned, just it could be look very different for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just mentioned uh, somebody that has more experience. There's a new thing. Well, it's probably not new. We're just tapping into it called reverse mentoring that turns the traditional approach to mentoring around. Mm-hmm. And in the mentoring pair, 
each person contributes to the other in some way, but it could be like an older colleague learning the social media from the younger person and the younger person learning the you know vision practices from an older colleague. So reverse mentoring is becoming a, a quite a recognized thing as well. Well, I tell you, in in the divided, very polarized um, world that we're living in today, especially with all the stuff going on in the U.S., I feel like my adult children have mentored me in listening well, mentored me oh, in yes. what, what people their age are thinking, and I've mm-hmm. just greatly benefited from them, yeah. and they're my tech support help desk, so that's just vital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is Sile told, told me a long time ago? Mom, if you have a question, just Google it. <laughs> you know, and that was back before Google was a verb, you know? Yes. So. And he was so right. He was so right. <laughs> and now he's famous. <laughs> yes, he is out on, on, out the, on airwaves. the airwaves. <laughs> so what would you say is the importance of having a mentoring process available to your personnel as someone who is leading in an organization? Yeah, you got great questions, Vicki. So having a mentoring process in place uh, for our personnel, it it gives kind of a, a developmental plan for a person. It says, you know, we care for you. We want to walk alongside you. We want to see you equipped. Um, we don't want to see you alone. We want to see you in community, even in these pioneering isolated places. Well, now um, we all know how to use Zoom better. So we can, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you were already there. You've been talking about Zoom for a while now, but I, I'm a newbie at this. So I think we're oh, all, the great. whole world is getting better. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're actually branching out into other kinds of video conferencing. And so the, the learning curves never end, Vic. Never end. Um, yeah, what let's see the uh, some more p- points of importance of having a mentoring process because actually, as I've talked to other movements in the last several months, I had two of them comment, Oh, you have a mentoring process in place. Oh, my word, you're miles ahead of us, which really surprised me. Um, and w- I was very encouraged by that as well, uh, because it. Yeah, as I said before, it emphasizes that we care about their support. We're not just talking about it. We've actually got something in place. We are reminding about reminding them of the uh, opportunity every month. We we mail have a mailing that we send out email, mm-hmm. um, and you know we only ask mentors to commit to like once a month for a couple of hours for a year, and most of our personnel have ended up continuing on as they realize that is happening in their lives. And actually, I, I asked our mentoring team, who's quite multicultural, and they said um, that it's especially helpful to fill the gap of this. One of my colleagues from said that from the Latin church, if they're still learning how to support workers on the field. And so being mentored has helped workers feel that someone is there for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I did not see this in place when I was overseas for the 20 years. I did not see anyone that actually had mentoring in place in any organization. Yeah, it's slowly, slowly becoming more important. Um, I, I interviewed a few 
other organizations whilst visiting in Turkey, I guess it was back in 2015 or 16. And uh, they said um, they were trying stuff out, you know, Mm -hmm. and I found out a couple months ago that that actually didn't work anymore. It had petered out. And so we're very encouraged that this has worked so far um, for, for the years let's see, 2015, 2016 or so that we started it. And I think a big, a big aspect of it is that it's voluntary. We can, we talk about why it's so great. We talk about the benefits, but at the end of the day, it has to be something that you want to do and that you find is important. Yes. I think we've all been part of organizations that require these types of things and, and they're not as productive. Let's just say a lot of hiding and smoke and mirrors going on. <laughs> Smoking mirrors. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> um, so that kind of brings me to the next question I wanted to ask you. What are some of the trends that you're seeing within the um, missions community in the area of mentoring, particularly with newer, younger cross-cultural workers? You've been talking to lots of organizations. They all have young folks in them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just said a little while ago, um, our own, our own 20 somethings, early 30 somethings, uh, are part of that generation. And we're hearing from them, you know, all the time, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Um, they represent kind of the people you're just asking about. So yeah, and related to the types of mentoring, we're seeing a trend in that reverse mentoring mm-hmm. that you and I just talked about. Um, also, group mentoring. So people would, you know, like to get together with a couple of their buddies and a mentor, which is great because there's always more people that want to be mentored than there are <laughs> mentors. So this group mentoring dynamic is a real new. Um, not as it's not new either. Everything, all of that we're talking about has been around for all of our lives. It's just, we're having different language for it now, but this group mentoring, um, and peers walking alongside each other, um, purposefully checking up on one another's well-being. Um, yeah, it's that those are the trends people they're clamoring for it. Um, my eldest Chris will say, I, you know, I have every single one of my friends wants to have a mentor. <laughs> I hope I'm, I'm not finding the that. I'm finding the same thing that as mm-hmm. I'm talking to people in their 20s and 30s, they're wanting input. They're wanting mm-hmm. someone to just walk alongside with them. Maybe not someone someone who approaches more with questions and not with a dogmatic yes. do this, do that sort of thing. Exactly. That was what I was actually going to say, Vicki. I was going to say they prefer more rather than someone telling them, advising, suggesting what they should do. It's more about that horizontal you know, level, not so much the vertical, but let's figure this life out. And yeah, the, the, the mentor might have a little bit more experience, but that's in order to ask the questions, not so much to tell what to do. So you have that little in um, horizontal versus vertical, which is really important. Yeah, that really is um, a shift, I think. When we were younger, we were sort of told to approach people that were discipling us. And and there was more of a direction 
to to that in a plan and a I don't know it just seemed more rigid a little more prescriptive yeah. I guess mm-hmm. well I tell you we all want somebody to just tell us what to do every now and then that's not to say that that's not still a part of it I mean that's a natural outworking of any friendship or any relationship um, but yeah. Again, going back to the cross-cultural thing, that's also a cultural challenge. And, you know, lots of cultures just expect your elders to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I think um, looking at your question for people going into cross-cultural work, especially the younger generations, they're concerned, as we should be, with holistic current issues the environment, mm-hmm. sexuality, justice, transparency. Um, they want to be able to trust mm-hmm. what people are saying. They want somebody to process these huge topics with. Um, yeah. So as a mentor, going in with open heart and mind, not a fixed agenda, is, again, another one of those trends that we're seeing. It sounds like we all need to work on our question asking skills, how to formulate good questions. Amen, sister. Do you have any <laughs> um, do you have any suggestions on how we do that? Yes. Um, I think it's first important to recognize that any question has a direction. There is no such thing as an unbiased question. Um once I understood that, I, I started stopping myself mid-question and really thinking, uh, do I really want to ask that in that manner? Um, we all know about open and closed-ended questions, you know, mm-hmm. the questions that are just yes, no, versus the ones that foster some more processing. Um, there's still a place for some yes, no questions that jump into more processing questions. However, if we can take our questions um, that we're formulating in our head and allow them a little more breadth and a little, you know, like in what ways do you see or um, I read a book once that said, avoid the questions that start with why, because they end up being a little bit more defensive of answers. I, yes, I would agree with that. That's a simple one. <laughs> I have yeah, you, behind yeah. me, which also the yeah. listeners can't see, a whole shelf of books on on formulating good discussion questions, and uh, so it's that big of a topic out there. I may but, uh, again, ask you to send me a list of a few of those so that we can put it on our notes, so people can oh, maybe yeah. have some resources. That that would be great. We have all kinds of appreciative question resources for you, Vicki. Oh, yes. And I need to read them. Um, that would be fantastic. I'll send you the one page. they nice and easy. Yes. Well, um, we have a lot more to talk about. In fact, I think we're going to have to have you back for another segment because I've got more questions to ask you. So if you'll hang on. Um, We'll take a pause here and we'll continue exploring this um, topic in our next episode. Awesome. Thank you, Vicki. You're a good question asker. I don't think you need that much help. <laughs>
Well done. Okay, until next time. Bye. Bye.